Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners and space rangers, and welcome to the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me, as always, is my best friend, who is not a robot cat, Patrick. Hey, everyone, and I'm glad to not be a robot cat, I guess you could say. Really? <laughs> Just, I don't I, know. I kind of wouldn't mind being a robot cat. I mean, I can I can do white noise like anybody else, but I don't think That's pretty good. That's a pretty good that. socks impression, actually. <laughs> I do things pretty well. It's in my nature to imitate things. Do you have like a USB plug-in on your tail? I'm looking, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think I, I, I do. Don't that. I'll, have to, I'll have to check next time. It's convenient. <laughs> well, this week we are talking about the first ever spinoff film in our beloved Toy Story franchise, one that we have covered completely. So there are four episodes out there for you if you are so inclined and have not listened to those. They were great. We love the series, the franchise, whatever you want to call it these days. So give those a listen. But this is a movie that tells the story of Buzz Lightyear, the character, which Andy fell in love with as a child, leading him to having the Buzz Lightyear toy that we all know so well. We'll talk about that more as we get into the spoiler territory, which we're just going to go ahead and do right now. So to infinity and the spoiler warning, if you have not heard this Heard this? If you've not watched this film, I guess if you've not heard it either, that's probably if you, for some reason, are just listening to movies instead of watching them. Anyway. That's an interesting concept. Listen to movies. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe if you were blind, I don't know. Would that Does, does that work? Do people who suffer from blindness I, enjoy films just from a, an auditory perspective? I wonder if that's possible. That would be an interesting, I, I mean, I'm sure there are. Uh, to I'd some like to extent, yeah. Yeah, uh, if you're listening to this and you have information on that, please hit us up. I'm, I'm actually curious. But if you have not seen the movie Lightyear, we are going to spoil it. So please turn away now and come back after you have. And please do go see it. This movie needs your money, unfortunately. So please do that. Don't wait for D+. Go see it on a big screen. It actually looks really nice, I promise. Well, with that out of the way, here we go. I want to know, Patrick, how did you feel going into this movie? I will tell you from my perspective that I was pretty much zero expectations for this. I had not been hyped really by any of the trailers. I think I'd seen one here or there. I wasn't actively avoiding this one. I wasn't actively seeking it out. I didn't know that it was going to be a different buzz that we were seeing. I thought that they had just recast the voice as Chris Evans instead of Tim Allen. And I was like, okay, whatever. I don't really, maybe Tim Allen's busy, you know, like it's been a long time. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, but it didn't really affect me in any way. I just figured this was another movie. I had, like I said, pretty much no expectations going in. I had sort of written it off mentally that this is just a side story. And so if it ends up not being very good, I don't have to consider it part of the Toy Story world. <laughs> I, I can just say my Toy Story love is intact and that other thing <laughs> it doesn't exist. And if it was great, I could be like, oh, wow, I'm blown away. And yes, we've got another amazing Toy Story universe film to put into the canon. So that's kind of where I was at 
going into this. So I wanted to set the stage. Where were you at going in? I mean, my expectations weren't very high. It's no secret that you and I are, we disagree on Toy Story 4 in terms of how we felt about it. And so for me, I was really like good with Toy Story being kind of a done property. So when Lightyear released, the trailer came out. I was interested because it felt different. It felt like a different angle that you were taking. It wasn't like an extension of these toys trying to, what I would consider milking the cow of storytelling from this particular set of characters. It really kind of had an adjacent approach, which was appealing to me, which I also like the fact that it's reinforced by not having Tim Allen as the main voice. And it makes sense. You know, the first mark, the marquee at the very beginning says, there was a show or a movie that Andy loved called Lightyear and it inspired him to get the doll. This is that movie. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. Now we get to watch this. So, you know, it was less about do we get to see a quote, real Buzz Lightyear that existed in the quote, real world? No, this is a this is a fictional character that became popular in this fictional Toy Story world and it spawned a fictional doll that was purchased by Andy's mom that ended up coming to life, which I thought was kind of an interesting way to bring that in. So for me, I wasn't hyped about it, but I wasn't necessarily like looking disappointingly at it. It wasn't like, oh gosh, we got to cover this because it's, you know, it's, it's Toy Story, you know, I, I love the idea of this sci-fi adventure. I mean, that appealed to me. So going into it, I had just sort of regular expectations. I was like, I think this will be good because not a lot comes out of the Pixar studios that's bad. And while I lean more heavily into give me original properties, give me soul, give me inside out, uh, don't go back to the well. I think this was enough of a tangential approach to that IP that it felt a little bit more fresh. So I was happy to go in and see it, and I was happy when I left. So next question is, did you have any trouble separating the buzz that we know from the buzz in this film? You're shaking your head no. So I, no, so, not at all. So you're saying that the title card was plenty, and I thought the title card was very succinct and just yeah. put, put it right up there. It said in 1995, Andy, whatever, I think they said his last name, Andy... Jenkins? <laughs> What's his last name? Andy Smith. Bomber? I, I don't know. Andy. Bomber. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just Andy. Now I'm making things up. Andy watched a movie and fell in love with a, a toy. And like, this is that movie. Like, basically, that's what it said. And from yeah. literally from that moment, I was like, okay, cool. I'm detached. I, I don't, Tim Allen doesn't matter to me anymore because it immediately made me understand that this was not the same character. Yeah. So, this may just be me being disconnected from the pop culture news of this movie specifically, but I never had any second thoughts about the fact that Tim Allen wasn't voicing Buzz Lightyear and that Randy Newman wasn't doing the music. Because when I saw the trailers, it looked visibly different than a Toy Story movie. I mean, it's why it's called Lightyear, not Toy Story 5, The Lightyears, which would be kind of funny. That'd be neat. Yeah, the Lightyears. Anyway, but... I think the way <laughs> he got it like two seconds later. Awesome. No, I had Post to turn my Father's mic on Day, and laugh. I'm giving you, I'm giving you the bad <laughs> jokes. 
But no, when I when I saw the trailers, the trailers were enough for me to feel like this was an action adventure movie about the character Buzz Lightyear, not the toy. And so I got reinforcement when you had that marquee come up that says, "Hey, this isn't the toy." And I wanted to just go like point at the screen, and go, "Duh!" I didn't think it was. We have brand new characters. We have a space opera setting. We have Chris Evans doing the voice. So it was very much a deliberate separation. But it wasn't in contrast with Tim Allen and the Toy Story gang. In no place did I see hints of Bo Peep or Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. I didn't see that because we weren't telling a toy story. We were telling a Buzz Lightyear narrative. And so the trailers, which I think in their defense, actually do a good job at telling us what the story's about (laughs) without giving too much away, which is not that common these days with a lot of trailers we get all the best stuff in it in in those trailers but yeah i got i got enough from the from the trailers without having to kind of go wait a minute is this the toy or is this the guy is he real is he not it didn't matter because yeah enough of the story itself just felt completely independent of those three or four movies that we fell in love with so i'm the same way as you and i've been frustrated some by certain folks that I follow online and social media and that are just seem to be obsessive that the movie is tanking largely because people wanted Tim Allen. And I just don't believe that. I haven't seen that. I think that's a false narrative. I think I'm sure there's somewhere online where someone's written the words, man, I wish this was Tim Allen. I don't want to see it because it's not. I'm sure there are a handful of people like that, but I don't think that by any means sunk this. I think Unfortunately, even though they did sell it correctly, like it it's just different. It is not your typical Pixar film and I don't think it is quite what people are expecting and I think it's it's a tough sell. I think it was an uphill battle in a lot of ways with this movie and it didn't do great at the box office as far as what it was expecting to pull in comparative to its budget. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Like we've now conditioned our audiences that your Pixar movies are going to be on Disney Plus. Encanto and Raya and the Last Dragon, those are Disney releases. They both went to theaters last year. Neither one did very great in theaters, especially initially. Encanto made some up towards the end, but they blew up or had their successes, obviously more in Kanto, once they came on to Disney Plus, you know, a few months later and everybody could watch them. And I think audiences are getting conditioned in general for Disney and Pixar movies that I can just chill at home and see this thing here really soon. So I don't need to rush out necessarily. And I think you combine that with what this is, right? And the setting and it being, it's not Toy Story. Like you said it perfectly. Those other toys aren't in this movie. They're not, and I loved that. There's no Easter eggs for them. They don't need to be in this movie because they aren't part of this. Bo Peep has her own little, whatever whatever she's based on, whatever thing that that IP came from, you know, she's a toy too. Like, it's different. It's not part of this world. And so it wouldn't have made sense. And I get that that's a a harder sell for people to want to come from um, or come into. And so... Yeah, it's it's interesting, but it didn't bother me one bit either, and I thought it was really great. I actually read a quote from Chris Evans, or Chris Evans was talking about it, as well as the director, and 
the director was saying, we didn't want the film to be a rehash of Toy Story because then all you're going to do is compare it to the brief amount of what Buzz might have said about his backstory. And he said he wanted it to be Buzz to be the spirit. He wanted Chris as Buzz to be the spirit of that character, but not the exact same performance. And he said it was really important when they worked with him to emulate, to not emulate the voice exactly. They wanted it to sound and be different. And the character is different. The character does not make the same decisions that Tim Allen's buzz would have made. Tim Allen's buzz is goofy and he's kind of somebody on a line actually took offense to this. The director used the word he's dumb and somebody in line that I was talking to was like, Oh, just up in arms. Like, how dare you? He needs to walk this back. I can't believe. Well, no, actually buzz is pretty dumb. Like he, thinks that his voice box comes alive at one point, if I recall correctly, like he or sentient, like he's, he's a little bit dumb, <laughs> right? You know, and that, and that's not the character in the movie, right? The character in the no. movie is incredibly smart. He's a genius level and has a very different mentality than right. But buzz and he buzz yeah. buzz in hindsight to me, Tim Allen's buzz feels like a silly toy version of this iconic hero character. Right. I mean, if you look at the original Toy Story, Buzz Lightyear's toy doesn't know that he's a toy. That's part of the plot of the original movie. And I'll I'll just call Chris Evans Buzz. I'll just call him Lightyear just because it makes it easier if we're going to do a comparison. Good call. Lightyear was very self-aware. Early on, when he's talking to his log, he is getting pushback from uh, from his partner. and they make sort of a joke about it. Like, no, you know, nobody listens to those laws. He goes, I know, I know. What we get is a sense of patriotism, a sense of loyalty to the space ranger fleet and what he wants to be. And that's very consistent with Buzz in the Toy Story movies. But the whole point of the first movie is not that he's this great space ranger, but that he's Andy's toy and that he's loved by him. The Space Ranger is a character trait of Buzz, just like being a cowboy is a character trait of Woody. Lightyear is all about the occupation, and that's kind of the struggle throughout the movie, is he doesn't want to be a failure as a Space Ranger. But the goofiness of Buzz is as a result of him being a toy. And it's articulated very well by Tom Hanks saying that three times you are a toy whereas (laughs) when we watch Lightyear from the very beginning we get this very optimistic this very altruistic this very dedicated soldier but approachable in a way that is familiar because some of those traits carry over into Buzz from the Toy Story movies but it's not so much that it's a carbon copy. And it shouldn't be. Because when you get a toy, Aaron, it's based off of a G.I. Joe or an Optimus Prime or whatever. Like you get a, a Transformer. You're going to play with that toy specific to the stories that you're telling. Your Optimus Prime may have the same voice, but he's probably going to act a little differently because you don't have a frame of reference apart from a TV show. I think that's what we get with Toy Story in comparison to Lightyear. We get hints of what 
Buzz is in that movie played by Chris Evans, but it's not a complete interpretation or a complete 100% translation. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't need to be because he's Andy's toy and Andy's going to treat him in a way that's very different than if you or I had a Buzz Lightyear, we would treat him differently. So watching Lightyear as a film, as a story sort of unfold, I can see how Buzz played by Tim Allen is inspired by that as opposed to compared to, which is how it's supposed to be. You watch a movie, you buy the toy, you watch the TV show, G.I. Joe, you get the toys, you tell your own stories. It's never going to be the same. You know, my, my G.I. Joe yell is going to be different than how they do it on the TV show <laughs> because my voice is different. And so I like that. I like that Lightyear itself as a story doesn't have to feel like an extension of Toy Story. It's actually a, an inspiration for Toy Story, which makes a lot more sense when you watch it that way. Yeah, no doubt. That's, that's great points um, all around. And I, so I think, I mean, I agree hundred percent. I don't need to add anything in, in there because you said it so well. The one thing that really made me excited about this one personally was being somewhat surprised by how heavy of a science fiction film it became. I was not expecting that. So even from the trailers, I was like, I remember the first trailer, Patrick, and I think we talked about this and said that, wow, this has got like first man vibes. It, it, this feels like Chazelle's first man. There's some shots in it. Yeah. And of course I was like, that's just a wild coincidence because it's going to end up being kind of a silly adventure and <laughs> rollicking thing in space kind of deal. And there's some, you know, it's fun movies for families, but we get into this and it gets pretty serious right away. I mean, mm -hmm. we start dealing with, yeah. it, it feels to me instantaneously like a Star Trek movie and not just because of the, <laughs> the logs, which are a great callback. There are, you know, a ton of little Easter eggs and kind of reference points for science fiction greats, but we deal with time warping and I was like, whoa, <laughs> what are we doing with this? We deal with yeah. advancing technologies, including things like robot companions. And we deal with an AI system that is a part of the problem. <laughs> I Or whether or not you used it becomes part of the problem, <laughs> I should say. We end up dealing with alternate versions of yourself. And it, it becomes this much deeper thing to the point where I almost was a little bit worried like are kids going to follow this and they may not like I think this is going to lose a certain age group so like where and that again Pixar it's it's tough to do something like this because you're taking a brand Toy Story that is accessible for you know two year olds up or whatever and they're going to be able to get enough out of it, follow it. It'll be fun and cute enough, right? This is not quite that that level, I don't think. Um, but I loved it. I mean, I thought that they were really committed to this science fiction space adventure kind of animated operatic space movie. And, right. and I loved it for the most part. I, I had an absolute blast uh, going through the various obstacles that Buzz faced. And seeing him 
continually drive himself to try and fix things in a way that felt to me very natural for someone in his position as the quote space ranger that was left. Like, this is what I've got to do. I'm going to fix it. And it's not a natural thing to think of looking for other people to help you. And it is, he, he thinks he has the smarts and he thinks he's got it figured out. And of course it doesn't end up that way. And we get the great story of, you know, him having to rely on other people. But as far as all of the space stuff, I thought it was great. And I thought it looked great. The spaceship design was cool. I think that a couple of those sequences for me that really stand out are the ones where he's launching and whipping around and then coming, trying to come through the rings to make the warp jump or whatever to decelerate. Um, yeah. The deceleration to decelerate. Rings. Yeah. Th- that was just super cool design. And I'm just like, man, this is animated Christopher Nolan. Let's get it. Yeah. It's, I liked it a lot and good artists create great artists steal. There, there were several, I think I told you this offline. I got heavy Star Trek vibes and heavy BS, you know, Battlestar Galactica vibes. And there's nothing wrong with that. The fact is, if you've got something pretty amazing, if you're going to recreate it or if you're going to be inspired by it, that's that's totally fine. The slingshot around the sun or around the planet was totally out of Star Trek Four. It was a variant on how you time travel. Again, totally fine. The design of Zerg's minions is an early Cylon design, but it's but, but very similar. Yeah. But it's still very cool. Now, I don't know because I haven't seen the Toy Story movies in a while if that design was back in those movies or if it was specifically for this. But it definitely felt more apparent in this. And I think it's because of what you mentioned that this story feels a little bit more sophisticated than a typical Toy Story movie. I think that to your point about how it might be difficult to be accessible by kids in particular because of the property that it's using, it brings up a good question. I think apart from Zerg and his relationship with Buzz being his older self, which I thought was a really cool concept, you could take this story completely out of the Toy Story universe and give it to completely original characters. So you have some kind of, quote, space ranger, not a space ranger, but something else who goes on this mission, who feels like he's at fault. They're stuck on this planet. All the events that take place don't have to have Buzz. They don't have to have him. No other characters besides him and Zerg are callbacks to Toy Story. So you don't need that frame of reference. That's what's really interesting. And so when you watch this movie, you think, oh, I don't think Pixar's out of ideas. (laughs) I think maybe the mistake, if it was a mistake, was to allow a a previous IP to sort of encapsulate the story. The story itself, though, is really, really interesting. This idea of taking on the guilt and ownership of a choice that you made and ironically not being able to reach out to anybody to help you because you feel like you have to be the one to correct that. The obsession with that is a very sci-fi type approach. You know, the ability to go back and fix it. Oh, I didn't do it. Go back and fix it again and how it complicates the timeline. In this case, the complication of the timeline is the history that you're making, the characters getting older. What I thought was really a good idea because of the concepts being played out in this movie and how they can be kind of difficult to get your head around, 
the math was very simple. It wasn't like for every four minutes he was gone, 18 years, four months, and three days had passed. No, it was a one-to-one right. ratio. It was like for every for every hour or every minute he was gone, a year passed, essentially. So he would leave mm-hmm. for four minutes, come back four years. That made it easier for someone like me or maybe a kid to be able to go, okay, four minutes, four minutes, I can, or four minutes, four years, I can get that. But the idea behind it is pretty complex. That's very heavy sci-fi. But it feels accessible because you explain it pretty quickly. You reinforce it with montages. And now you're, what, 30, 40, 50, well, no, over 100 years kind of in the future. So just do the simple math. How many times did he do this? But the focus is still on the relationships that he has missed out on that he has new regrets. He has new kinds of, man, I, in in all the the working that I tried to do to get the team home, I missed out on the history that was being made, particularly with me and my best friend who lived a full life, had a great family. I ended up meeting her granddaughter and now I don't have regrets because that's the family that I can now you know, have a relationship with. That's a very Pixar idea. <laughs> and so I think being able to put all that under a sci-fi umbrella was a pretty bold move, but it was really well executed. And so for me, if there's any kind of negative, it's that at times the concepts might seem over the head of of a kid. But again, if you had kind of separated it and put it in its own story and not use a Toy Story as its kind of skeleton, I think it would have had more success because you wouldn't be fighting that. Wait, where does this fit in? Oh, is Zerg really his dad or is it his older? I mean, no, it didn't have to be. You don't have to fight that because you're not thinking about Zerg and Buzz. You're thinking about... Captain Whoever the characters John, are, yeah. Johnny, what's her name? And his older self, which still works just in a different world. Right. I, I completely agree. I thought that that, if anything, somewhat hindered it. And it was weird and not in a big way, but it could for some folks. And I thought that I actually wanted more. <laughs> like I I liked the universe and the backstory and I wanted to know more and to have more detail i wanted it honestly to go more adult and more serious not not necessarily ditching comedy or whatever but i wanted it to deal with those concepts more thoroughly and not just use them and introduce them but to really explore the ramifications of them and i did you say through the post credits no, I read about them because I have this okay. like mental protest yeah. of like not staying for post credits scenes because Marvel. Kills you don't me. want to respect the people that made the movie. I totally get it. So yeah, uh, no, I'm Ow. kidding. I'm jo- wow. There's a joke. That is a joke. That is 100 percent satire. And I'm gonna get. I was gonna get the ire of you or the the listeners that think that that's actually true. That that somehow is like honoring the thousands of people because you sat there and watched their name. No, they're getting paid. That's honoring them. You pot the ticket. <laughs> You already honored them. They're good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it has nothing to do with that. It's it, Anyway, what I was going to say is, so that last one is Zerg kind of obviously being alive and allowing for this sequel, which I don't love because I don't want more of that personally. Like, I, it was fine to throw in as a one, one idea, one kind of concept for him to battle, but I would not want an ongoing other buzz 
kind of, I think that is a super complicated thing that is something Pixar needs to stay away from if they attempt to continue this. But my point and why I brought that up is Aaron, <laughs> the adult, eats that stuff up, but I don't need it Pixar. Like I would want it more heavier than I than a Pixar film is willing to go. Does that make sense? Like that's that's where I was with this. Like I yeah. enjoyed it so much lightly. <laughs> Ironically, using that word, I guess. <laughs> um, but like, I I left it going. Gosh, I I would like to see this adulted even more because it, yeah. there's so many cool things to play with here. If it were put in a different a different IP, that I would be in total agreement yeah. with you. I was fine with it being standalone. It's a great way to kind of get those questions answered. To throw a little callback to Toy Story Two, where. Zerg was not Buzz's dad, and he makes that great comment. He says, Dad? No, I'm actually you from a future of a different kind. So I thought that was a really cool concept, and it created this sort of Darth Vader kind of relationship where a bitter Buzz who was obsessed, you know, the result of being obsessed with trying to get the team home, you have these two types of buzzes that are now in existence. And then you have what I would call old buzzes socks, not the things he wears on his feet, but his cat who says, I like you better to younger buzz. That whole idea is really a fun concept to play with. And I think in this 90 minute feature, it told that story and explored that in a good amount of time and to an, a, a good extent. It didn't go too deep. So what you're saying is exactly what I would say. Like, I want more of that, but don't put it in a Pixar movie. Give me something live action that's not even Pixar, but that's going to have that same story told in live action or in a more sophisticated kind of like, what if Marvel's what if animation stories. That would be or amazing. Like the next Star Trek movie, right? Like the next, exactly. give me the next Chris Pine Star Trek movie we never got. Yes. And give me the storyline, essentially, with Captain Kirk being the one that is relentlessly trying to fix things and right. watching the crew that we know and love age out and, and have to right. deal with that. Like that, mm -hmm. you know, and then maybe he finds up, you know, he's had to deal with multiple timelines already. So maybe he has to deal with something similar. <laughs> like it, it, That's, I agree with you. But anyway, we're, now we're making our own movie. Um, but this one worked pretty well. And I, and I did enjoy the heck out of what they did. So comedy and heart are central to any Pixar film as well. And we get some great stuff in this one, I thought. Buzz's relationship with Commander Hawthorne, I absolutely loved it. It was so sweet and so subtle and well done and just this amazing, caring relationship between a mentor slash friend and uh, someone that we know to be, or we grew to know to be not necessarily reckless in, a, in any, you know, kind of negative sense but just over ambitious to the point of not making the best decisions at all times. And the way that she handled that, I thought with such grace, man, it was just a great, such a great character. And then we end up with buzz kind of teaming up with this crew of misfits 
which is a very Pixar-y type of thing to do. Um, we get her granddaughter, Izzy, another good character. We get the cat socks, who steals the show. Of course, um, all the kids are going to be engaged because of socks. I was engaged because of socks. <laughs> socks is phen- phenomenal. And we get uh, Taika Watiti, you know, doing a, a comedy bit uh, in a character. I'm kind of over that at this point. Like he's showing up so much, so everywhere. And I just like, I mean, I he's not bad by any means. And, and I think he's actually somewhat restrained in this movie, thankfully. Um, but we, and we get the old guy who's, you know, out of prison or whatever. I, I thought that it was a fun little group and they towed the line pretty well for me of not overdoing them. It was close. Um, you really, I don't want a lot of them, right? But it was a little bit of them was fun and gave us some sweet moments as well as Buzz kind of learns how to accept help from others, how to allow this team mentality to be fostered, how to help other people reach their potential and allow them to have responsibility and trust in that and as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I didn't think ultimately that the movie hit as hard and I always use Don Shanahan, our friends kind of phrase of the Pixar punch. And this didn't have the Pixar punch to me. There was no singular moment where I was like, Oh my gosh, that emotion just overwhelmed me and hit me. It had bits and pieces of that, that I felt along the way and had a good time with, but there was not one thing. Um, and so I just wondered, you know, how did it handle for you from a kind of a comedy and emotional perspective and compared to what you typically expect from Pixar? Uh, well, it felt more mature and I think that had to do with the storyline. And so I think that it made the story a little bit more bland in that the overall, the overall feeling I got from this movie was that because it wasn't trying to portray inanimate objects for the most part outside of the ai we're dealing with real people i know pixar has done that with up and with other movies that involve real people but they're known for their inanimate objects they're known for hey what if we made emotions personified which we get such an amazing story out of that movies like this remind me that pixar can be good storytellers without having to have the Pixar punch, that it can be a successful story to be told. And it can have a really good message. I think the thing that I pulled from it that I enjoyed was the fact that we have this character who is trying to seize the day or fix the problem when he knows this, when he doesn't see that the solution is just being fully present with the people around him. And when you have Sergeant Hawthorne as this kind of counterpoint to his point, the underlying message to him from her granddaughter is she lived a full life. She didn't see being stranded on this planet as a mistake. And even some of the comedy, like the the vines that would pop up and steal people, they became less of a threat and more of a nuisance, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's what happens when you end up staying somewhere for a while, the things that feel like they're stuff that you're afraid of, they become more like, oh yeah, that's just the, you know, that's just the earthquake. You know, they, they usually happen, you know, if you live in California or if you live in Florida, like, yeah, yeah, we've got a hurricane warning coming up. 
Uh, do you want to go get some food? You know, it's it's that kind of normalization of those things from living in the the world that you do. And I think that the movie does a really great job at showing how it's not where you're living or where you are. It's how you feel about that place and what you make of it that I thought was really interesting because Hawthorne as a character, seeing her grow old, I never felt like Lightyear got emotional. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to miss you. I mean, he does obviously. And there's that great scene where she leaves in that last message. And then, um, what's his name? I can't remember now. Uh, Burnside comes in (laughs) to kind of take over. But in terms of emotion, I think it was just sort of a, an even keel. Like I was invested in the characters, invested in the story, but I didn't need something like overwhelmingly like, Oh, to make me feel like this was a, a good story to tell and to, to kind of share with other people because the, the message in it is a good one. It's, I mean, it's numerous messages, but that message in particular was uh, one that I latched on to. Yeah, I agree. And I thought that for me, what was interesting was I kind of appreciated the message of being content where you are and making your life and accepting it almost as much as I appreciated the message that I feel like it also is kind of giving you at the same time, which is sort of in conflict with that at times, which is you should, advancement is good. Like you need people who are going to push the envelope to continue to grow. I mean, the advancement of the city is what was able to, you know, for the most part, terraform the world in a way that what tends to terraforming per se, but it was, control the world in a way where the vines, like you said, became manageable and things on the outside. And yes, they were able to create a semblance of a new life for themselves in a colony. But you also need dreamers and you need people who are going to look to the stars, right? And are going to go and try and find ways to do things. And I think that it it's both like, I don't know that the answer to the movie anybody should walk away with is, well, Lightyear should have just sat down and chilled and been cool with hanging out. That's not Lightyear. Like, part of the thing is that his character, his what he's made of is not doing that. He is built to explore and go to space and try to solve the problems, etc. And so, in a way, I feel like did the things that was best for them. And that's the message is that like, don't think commander Hawthorne was shorted because she didn't do the thing you did. She did have happiness and that's okay. But I also don't think that buzz was shorted because he didn't stay because that was not buzz. He would not have been content in that world. Right. Right. So buzz did the thing that buzz needed to do. Um, and I love that. I thought that was a really cool, at least wait for me, that's how I took it, right? Was yeah, both things can be true. Yeah, and they both had, they both personify this mutual respect that you have for those that have that role. Hawthorne could not have and should not have gone on these missions with him. Not because she found love, not because she was building a family. These were byproducts of the life that she was choosing to live on that planet 
And the things that she got as a result of it became bonus for her. But her role was to be a planet dweller, to stay there and maintain. That's why she was getting promoted. And the movie also does a great job at depicting not regret, but the reality of of missing something. Like she, her her message to him was a message where she was proud of what he was doing. She, not once did she say, you need to stop doing this because it's not worth it. You need to stop doing this because you're missing a life with your best friend. She never said that. She completely respected the fact that he was doing this and would continue to do it until he was told not to. And even then continue to do it. But they both understood that they could not be in each other's shoes. He couldn't be grounded like she was. And she couldn't be in space like he was because she wasn't built that way and he wasn't built that way. And so the result is, yes, it is some, not tragic, but it's somewhat sad because, yes, they didn't get to spend this life with each other. But the movie also shows us that he gets a chance to see her echo and her granddaughter and to see pieces of her but not a direct carbon copy because it's even kind of directly said, you're not your mother. I don't need your mother. I need you when she goes across the airlock, which by the way, gives me a sense of like 2001 vibes. You know, you're just floating and it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is, you know, if I had to float across one part of a spacecraft in the middle of space to another one, yes, I'm going to stay on the straight line as much as possible. So watching that relationship sort of grow apart grow in time. I never got the feeling that he was saying, dude, I missed out on so much. I missed out on seeing you be happy. I never felt that way. And I never felt like she said, I missed out spending the, you know, so many years without you that my life was not what it could have been. No, I think they just had this mutual respect for each other saying, you've got to do what you've got to do. I've got to do what I've got to do. And we're going to support each other in that knowing that whatever the outcome is, we'll live with it. And that's what I think is really great is that at the end of the day, he never regrets any decision he made in terms of continuing to try the experiment. And I think that informs him at the end where he says, nope, I'm going to live my life here because this is worth it. But it was because he built these relationships with her granddaughter and this crew. It's why he's not building a new Space Ranger Academy, that he's going to stick with his own crew and they become Space Rangers. So he needed that experience of having to live that, I guess, sped up life in the same way that Hawthorne needed to live that life in regular speed. I don't think they had any regrets. I think saying goodbye is hard. <laughs> and the movie definitely depicts that in a really great way, in a really real way. But I never felt like either decision was the bad decision, staying or continuing to do this. And so I think that speaks to what you're saying, that you need both. It's interstellar. <laughs> it's interstellar. I mean, it is. It is very interstellar. Like it Don't is, leave me, Murph. Don't leave me. It's exactly <laughs> what we sort of are dealing with. It's, an, it's a Pixar version of interstellar. It's what I love about it, you know, and I get to enjoy that because those are movies that I adore and amongst my favorite genre in all of film and storytelling, because I just, I love those concepts. So yeah, I thought it handled everything so well. Um, like I said, socks, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. Socks is not memorable to me in a way that is, it doesn't quite blow me away immediately after one viewing. 
I'm not like, oh, that's Iago. I, I grew up with Iago. I watched Aladdin a hundred different times. I could quote you every single line of Iago's dialogue because he was so hilarious. But that this is, I think, for the newest generation of Pixar movies, this is as close as I feel like we've gotten in a long, long time to one of those old school Disney Pixar like mascots. Yeah. That, or or side like animal companions or whatever but like side characters that really are so memorable and just completely stealing every single scene that they're in and and i think if i watched this movie three or four more times or let's say i was a kid growing up and i watched this movie three or four or five times i would feel the way that about socks that i personally ended up they would feel the way about socks now that I ended up feeling about, you know, those ones that I grew up with. I think it's kind of on that level. So Socks was awesome. Um yeah. Just such a great performance, voice performance by Peter Sohn. It was outstanding. <laughs> well, and I loved him. Well, and his 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 matter of factness, it got me when you said Interstellar, it made me think of Case or Kip or Tars. Yeah. Those those yeah. really great AI companions that were in Interstellar that had not robotic voices, but just more casual voices like that. I felt that he was that Sox was providing the type of uh, role that Kip and Case and, and Tars, those guys were, those robots were uh, were providing. Did you take Carson to the movie? I'm assuming you did. I did not actually. Oh, bummer. Okay, I was gonna I was gonna ask what yeah. he thought about Sox specifically, but um... I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure he would love it. Um, I'm I'm waiting. To, I wanted to see the movie first. I mean, you're waiting till it goes to Disney Plus, like all the other parents. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's. I know. I mean, obviously, that the, yeah, the, it's no surprise the one of the issues that has come up recently with it. I wanted to make sure that if he had questions about it, I could walk through that with him, and I wasn't I wasn't prepared to go into that blind, so. I think man. Um, at some point when it hits Disney Plus, we'll watch it together. I think he'll, I think he'll really enjoy it. I think it's a um, he. I mean, he's seen the Toy Story movies, but I don't think he'll make that connection of like, you know, where's Woody, where's Bo Peep. I mean, I think he'll see it as an independent movie, which I think is probably the best thing you can do is just to enjoy it on its own without all that context. Um, that's a different but kind of refreshing way to look at enjoying Lightyear. Yeah, yeah, I would totally agree with that. Uh, any, I think we talked a little bit about Zerg already and that big twist. You said you liked it. I liked it for the most part. Didn't yeah. really have many issues. I was very surprised. I honestly did not see it coming. I yeah. thought Zerg was just a big bad that was chasing him because Zerg <laughs> is the big bad in Toy Story. And then, you know, when it ends up being himself and fighting for this different existence of himself, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was intriguing to me. And I think that it yeah, didn't but, overstay its welcome. Well, yeah, I was going to say that. And also the fact that we didn't get, when we found out who Zerg was, we got the explanation that it wasn't Buzz Lightyear's ship that he built with all these different, men like he actually discovered it. It was some other alien ship that he sort of commandeered. And the reason he's called Zerg is because they couldn't say Buzz. Uh, like Buzz Zerg, I think is what they were calling. They just started calling. I him thought Zerg. that that was pretty dumb. Like it didn't make any well, sense to me. Well, <laughs> whatever the reason is, I'm I'm glad that we that independent of that. I think it's really cool that we, in order to get older Buzz into that suit to become Zerg, we didn't have to have some long drawn explanation about how he created the ship and he did all this stuff. No, I mean he found it. 
Um, either I forget what the actual explanation was, but but it wasn't his. And so it makes a whole lot of sense that we have all this alien technology that's foreign to these humans, just like they're foreign to us. And we have these, you know, sentient beings, these, you know, these Cylons that are subservient to this character Zerg, but they don't know any better. It makes a whole lot of sense that he would have discovered, captured, and uh, you know, commandeered it as opposed to being like the originator of it. That would have been a harder sell for me to say, mm, I can't really get from Buzz Lightyear Star Command to Zerg, Emperor, and creator of this big ship and stuff. So I, I like that explanation of it. I did too. I, I agree with that part for sure. Uh, I was saying on our FF Plus episode on this that I wish there had been one Easter egg that there wasn't there. And that is the little green aliens from the claw machine. Oh, for- I, <laughs> the claw. I, I didn't, I know I just wanted like, I don't know. I wanted to see one float by a spaceship portal. Like, I don't know. I don't know why that would be a thing. Don't ask me for, I'm not going to write the whole movie, but like, I just wanted, you know, somewhere on the world that they were on, like maybe at the very end, like that's one of the beings that lives in that, on that planet. And it kind of waddles up or something. I, I don't know, but I, I was like, that's the one additional like Toy Story tie-in that I would have been okay with if you had found a way to put those guys in this movie. What things you want to include? <laughs> Just you crack me up. It's not like I want to see like you know Woody and Trigger. Is it Trigger's the horse? Like, uh, <laughs> like roping a, the moon or something. I don't. I don't need like that kind of craziness. I just just want an alien. It's a sci-fi movie. Just, I mean, I guess it makes sense if they're they're aliens, but. If you'd seen a pizza planet in the background, that probably kind of throw you a little bit. I don't want Rex. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, um, last thing for this is if Pixar was going to do this with another Toy Story character, and I am not encouraging this, but I'm just asking because this is the way Hollywood approaches things. Right. Whose story would you want this treatment to be given to knowing like under the same pretense that the toy itself came from an IP and that we are exploring the IP that the toy is based off of. Uh, well, I would probably go with a, uh, a Rex and Ham buddy road movie. I would love to see them, uh, a, a road comedy. I think those two characters would make a lot of people laugh. Um, <laughs> I, I, I could see maybe Pixar doing a co-production with Universal and having a Jurassic World featuring Rex. You know, if we're going to do it. I mean, if we're going to just start milking a cow... Let's just go ahead and do it, right? And then maybe maybe at the end of the movie, the resolution is that T-Rex eats the pig, eats ham, you know? So we have Rex eating, and, but that would get really sick. So I don't know if we should do that. But I would definitely like to see a buddy, a buddy movie, a buddy road movie with those two characters. Interesting. I don't know how that would work in the context of a prequel, but if we were just doing <laughs> spinoffs, then... <laughs> that would work like i don't know that there's like a series i mean why would you have a series of anyway it doesn't matter i, I do yeah. agree that it would be fun to watch a thing i mean i think that the answer here is it would be woody and yes that's what pixar would do if they were going to do it so maybe i should reword this question and say how would you feel if pixar decided to make a woody backstory film uh i mean which would essentially as just i'm be not a western yeah, and and the Western genre just 
it has to be a specific kind of Western, like your Tombstone, Silverado, 310 to Yuma. So it would have to be kind of and those Pixar, types. So it would probably be a Western without any like gunfighting. <laughs> Which I don't know. Well, I mean, if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna give me heady sci-fi, maybe you'll get into a little bit of like you know cerebral. You know what? We'll get Westworld with Woody. How about that? Let's just do that. Oh, Westworld my with Woody. Gracious. There we go. I got it right. right there. Strike that question from the record. Delete. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Didn't like the answer, Aaron. Sorry. Uh, Sorry about that. Yeah. No, that's all I got. Um, all I, right. I mean, it's great. I did want to ask. Our listeners, real quick before we end, though, if you have a chance to give us a quick rating on your podcast app of choice, we would greatly appreciate it, especially if you are an Apple user and you have the ability to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would be phenomenal, and we would be extremely grateful for that. But we are, of course, just thankful that you're here listening in the first place. That is enough. But if you want to go the extra mile, hey, thank you. Twice. Three times for me. Well, that will do it for us on this edition of Feelin' Film. Next week, we are heading back to the theater for Baz Luhrmann's directorial uh, film, Elvis. I am absolutely jacked about this, Aaron. When I saw the trailer for it, I was like, this is insane. Like, this is insanely good. And I remember sending you a message saying, have you seen the trailer for this? And you said you hadn't seen it, but you pretty much like anything that Baz does. And then you saw it and you were like, wow, this is incredible. So hopefully it will live up to our personal hype. So be looking for that this time next week as we'll be conversating about that one. In the meantime, enjoy your week. Enjoy what you're listening to and what you're watching. Aaron, thanks for another great conversation, man. We'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.